This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week of the year with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 226 of Sorta Awesome. It's also the very last episode for the year 2019. So everybody get ready to pop the top on your champagne and cue the confetti. We've made it through 2019, you guys. Yay! (laughs) I mean, really, truly, we survived. That's what we need. We survived. We survived 2019, another year in the books. So as is our tradition here at Sorta Awesome, I have my two beautiful, amazing, incandescent, just awesome every single day of the year co-hosts with me, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hello, Meg, Kelly. Hello, Awesomes. So glad to have you here with us today. And also Kelly Gordon, our favorite big sister that we all know and love and always has the best stuff to bring us in our lives. Kelly, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad that we've made it to the year end episode. Me too. I can't believe it. 2019 has been an amazing year for Sort of Awesome. I think that more than anything, and we're going to talk some Sort of Awesome specifics here in a few minutes, but I just feel like our community has grown so much, not just numbers wise this year, but in terms of becoming more and more awesome, if that was even possible, I feel like 2019, as the world got a little bit more fraught and difficult in some ways, I feel like our community has really stepped up to becoming more and more awesome this year. So just want to give a big hug and squeeze to all of our awesomes right now. We have our traditional year-end show, but you guys, we're going to do a different spin on it this year. After you've been doing a show for four and a half years, I think sometimes we got to, you know, kind of shake things up, keep things fresh a little bit. In the past, we have shared with you our favorites that we read and watched and listened to through the year. This year, we're just kind of taking a general look back. We've got some things we want to share with you, things that we discovered throughout the year things that were definitely on our favorites list. I'm going to be sharing some things that I'm letting go of to welcome not only a new year, but a new decade with 2020. So we're going to get to all of that stuff here in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to start the show with some awesomes, not just of the week, but of the year. And so Kelly and Rebecca and I have been thinking about the year behind us and 
thinking about in terms of the context of Sorta Awesome, some things that really stood out from the year of 2019. And we want to share some of those reflections with you as it pertains to Sorta Awesome, our work here, our community, all of those things. So Kelly, why don't you get us started with what was particularly awesome this year, 2019, for you? Okay, so I'm going to give you the thing that I wish it was and then the thing that it really is. Okay. That's where we are. Okay. We're going to (laughs) say this is like in a perfect world, what I would say is my awesome of the year was the Big One podcast. Okay. This was back in the spring. It came out. It is about not if, but when the big earthquake hits Southern California, what will happen? It is such a good podcast. It is fun to listen to, even though that sounds like the least fun thing you could imagine. They just did such a good job putting it together with, you know, sort of like dramatic, but not completely scary retellings, talking to experts, diving into things, making it personal. The host, Jacob Margalis, he and his wife talk about what would they do? So they kind of go on this journey over the 10 episodes of the podcast to say, this is what we could do differently. Maybe we should get a tent. Like, do we have enough water to survive for a week? That sort of thing. I think that not only is it fun to listen to, it's super, super instructional. And that's what I loved about it was having lived in Southern California, having lots of loved ones there. But even if you don't live in a place that's going to have a big earthquake at some point, probably within the next hundred years, it's just one of those ideas of saying, what could happen? And could I be prepared? And could my preparedness actually cut down on the fear that I have? So that way I'm not stressed about it. You know, like he said before Jacob did, before he did the podcast, that he wondered if this was going to make him a prepper, somebody who was going to be completely paranoid about all the things that could go wrong. And in fact, it did the opposite. It gave him the confidence to say, I'm not looking forward to this, but if when it happens and I'm living here, I feel empowered to know what to do. And I love a podcast or just a book. Anything that's about empowerment is a fantastic thing. That was really my awesome of the year in many ways. Yes. Well, I was going to say, just as a reminder, too, that that was your awesome of the week on episode 193. Okay. I just looked it up real fast in case anybody wants to go back. Because I remember when you first told us about that, it was the awesome of the week. I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds incredible and so intriguing. So if you want to go back and hear that, or if you're a new awesome, if you missed it, you can go back and check out episode 193 from last April when Kelly first told us about that. So sorry to interrupt, but yes. But really, truly, you guys, my awesome of the year was the Joya cocktails, which I talked about in September as an awesome of the week. These are little canned cocktail drinks. I feel bad saying an alcoholic drink is my awesome of the year. Maybe that says a lot about what kind of year I've had, (laughs) what kind of year we've all had. But I was like, if you can hand me a little canned Cosmopolitan, yes, please. And thank you. The Greyhound has been my absolute favorite this year. I said that back then because it's grapefruit juice and vodka. It's got some other little things that they've put in there, but I'm a little embarrassed. Don't but be embarrassed. Actually, like, <laughs> this is the thing that I will look back in many years and be like, that was the year I discovered Joya cocktails. <laughs> That's where we are. So I'm just keeping it real with the awesomes. That Joya cocktail is my awesome of the year. Oh my gosh. I love it. That is fantastic. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. That's an important discovery for all of us to find for sure. I'm not so sure important, but it sure did make me happy. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Love it. Love it. That's so great. Okay, Rebecca, how about you? Looking back on 2019 and awesome of the year. Well, if Kelly is feeling any level of shame about her awesome of the year, I'm about to up that because (laughs) mine is spiritual. Oh, good. Thanks, Rebecca. (laughs) A little salt in the wound for you, Kelly. 
So my most awesome moment of the year for me was recording and sharing my faith journey back in episode 192, also from April. And in that episode, I shared some very real and difficult seasons I was having in my life with my Christian faith, times when I was angry and heartbroken, untrusting of God. And to prepare for that episode, I re-listened to a few sermons from years back that had really to help pull me out of those dark times. And I just have to say that preparing for that episode was a lot more difficult than I anticipated that it would be. Some of those dark feelings kind of started to creep back in. And I found myself just replaying those thoughts I had had before. And not even just the thoughts, but like replaying the emotions. Does that make sense? Like, I think sometimes when you go through something really hard, you experience all those feelings. And then slowly by slowly, you can kind of like move away from some of the rawness of those feelings. And recording that episode, preparing for that episode, really kind of brought all that rawness back up. Mm, Yeah. It doesn't sound very awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And in many ways, it wasn't. And I found myself kind of like re-struggling all over again. But here's the thing. I think when you go through something like that, and if you haven't listened to my story, I highly recommend listening to it, episode 192. When you go through something as traumatic as that and you overcome it, And then something traumatic happens again or you like revisit the trauma and you overcome it again. I think like every time that you re-overcome it, it just makes you stronger and stronger and stronger. And one of the things that I really talked about in the episode was the need to fight for my faith. That faith doesn't just come as like a baseline of Christianity, but sometimes you have to actively fight for that faith. And I feel like I did that again. And that my faith is stronger again. So when I look back at the year, I am so thankful that I was able to share my journey with the awesomes. So many of you reached out and talked to me about that episode. It was incredibly touching. But then I also feel like my faith was once again strengthened from the fight that I put in this past spring to kind of like re-overcome some of that trauma that I was re-experiencing. Kind of, you know, iron sharpens iron type of thing. So mm-hmm. it was good. It was good. That's so good, Rebecca. You know, I feel like we talk about this often, but I don't think we can make the point strongly enough that we do love to hear from our community about the impact that Sword of Awesome has had on people's lives, changes that they've made, shifts in mindset, those types of things. But I just don't think we can say enough that creating Sword of Awesome for you guys every week, it makes a big change and a big impact on our lives too. That's right. Yes, definitely. I think that that's a great, great reminder of that. So thank you for that. As I think back over my Awesome of the Year, my Awesome of the Year that is, you know, related to Sword of Awesome is at the intersection of a real life event, which was the birth of Nico, a big life-changing event in 2019. I'd like to think of Bright Spot in an otherwise difficult year. (laughs) He has been for us anyway. I was going to say, I think he has been for all of us. We've all loved listening to his little, his snorts and giggles and noises. Like it is, there's something very pure about a baby. Yes, totally. It just helps us all. Totally. So when the Awesomes came together last spring to throw a virtual baby shower for us, that was truly such a concrete way to like just send some awesome our way. 
you know, prior to Nico being born, really back when we first found out we were pregnant with him, I had some processing to do, some things to work through. And I mentioned this on the show, but I'll say again, one of the biggest emotions that I felt around announcing our pregnancy was a sense of embarrassment. Just kind of like, you know, we're in our 40s, we have all these big kids and I don't know, just a little bit of just like feeling embarrassed, sharing our news, even though we were genuinely and truly happy about it to be sharing news like this so late in life and in a fully different season of life than when you expect a baby announcement. But the listening community of Sorta Awesome has been nothing but encouraging. When I first shared our pregnancy announcement back in the fall of 2018, people immediately started emailing, messaging me, sharing in the hangout, all of these beautiful, positive, wonderful, and encouraging stories about having siblings with you know, a big age gap in between or women who've had babies well into their 40s and everything was fine. And that just made me feel like, oh my gosh, it really helped to ease any sense of embarrassment that I had. And so then to have the virtual baby shower where so many awesomes showed up in such a tangible way to support our family with adding a fifth baby to the family long after all of our swings were given away and the baby clothes had long since been donated. You know, we had nothing baby left here. It was just really great. I'm just grinning about it all over again. It was such an awesome way to support our family and really meant a lot to us. And if I keep talking about it, I'm going to start crying. So (laughs) (laughs) let's go ahead and move on. Those are our awesomes of the year. We will definitely have an awesome of the year thread for you all to share what was awesome in your whole entire year in 2019. Let us celebrate with you the big milestones from your life from 2019. I know so many of you have happy things to share with us that happened in this past year. So we'll do that as we always do over on Instagram at Sword Awesome Show. If you haven't joined us, we sure would love to have you. And just speaking of how awesome our community is, we would love to have you in our Facebook hangout group. If you haven't joined us there yet, now's the time to do it. Better late than never. (laughs) Come and find us on facebook.com slash groups slash Sword Awesome Hangout. Hey, awesomes, you know, here on Sorta Awesome, we often talk about how important it is to get a good night's sleep. But what we haven't talked about very much is what are you actually sleeping on? I had never given it much thought until I found Bowl and Branch. Bowl and Branch linens are very awesome because they are made without harmful chemicals, pesticides, or GMOs. They're made with sustainable raw materials, and they're made in factories that prioritize workers' empowerment and sustainable incomes. Plus, 100% of their packaging is made from recycled paper and can be recycled or repurposed. They also happen to be the softest, most comfortable sheets in the world. And for a limited time, you can check out their luxury flannel bedding. It helps keep cool sleepers warm. And because they can breathe, they keep you warm sleepers cool at night too. At Bowl and Branch, shipping is always free and you can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. And right now, you can get $50 off of your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with promo code AWESOME. That's right, get $50 off at bowlandbranch.com, promo code AWESOME. That's spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, code AWESOME. Hey, awesomes, hiring the right person takes time. 
time that you don't often have, but you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. LinkedIn is all about creating an awesome hiring experience, especially with their candidate management system. They create a simple dashboard to track all of your candidates from application to hire all in one place. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for so that you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and connects you with candidates who match your business perfectly. That's how LinkedIn can make sure your job post gets in front of the people that you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other insights that help LinkedIn paint a better picture of potential candidates. It's no wonder great candidates are hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. So, awesomes, find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash awesome. Again, that's linkedin.com slash awesome to get $50 off of your first job post. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, well, like I said at the top of the show, all three of us have thought about what do we want to share? Here at the end of 2019, things that have been fun that have shown up in our lives, things that have made a difference in our lives, or even like me, maybe we're just like looking ahead to the year ahead of us. So Kelly, I would love for you to kick things off. Let's just put our feet up and listen to Kelly share what's been good in her life. I can't wait to hear all that you brought for this year in show. So I have food. Yay! You guys, so when we were thinking about this episode and kind of reimagining what it might be. I thought, you know what? My favorite thing to talk about is what I discovered this year, my favorite stores and what I like to eat. So of course, if you're interested in my favorite new recipes, you can go back for through the awesomeness of the week. I would say the Tex-Mex turkey chili that I talked about last January. Here we are in winter again. And so it's back at the top of my lineup. And truly, you guys, it has marked the last couple of years of my life. When I first started to make that, it was a turning point in my menu planning life because that just went on the menu all the time. I make huge batches of it and it can go in lunches. Like it's a fantastic thing. So it sounds silly to think about food. Maybe, maybe it sounds silly to you. It doesn't sound that silly to me because it really does mark what happens. So let me share with you my top five finds from Trader Joe's this year. As far as I can tell, these are all, if not brand new within 2019, fairly new at Trader Joe's. Of course, this also means that some of them are seasonal. So they may not all be in stores right now. So I've tried to kind of adapt it for that a little bit. Okay, so here's one that I think you might still be able to find in your stores. And if not, I can give you a substitute. It is the blood orange chocolate chip ricotta cheese. Okay. You guys, I have seen this. I feel like it came in last year and it was so weird. You know, you're like, okay, that's unusual. I don't know what to say about it. That's why I just said, okay. I'm cringing over here. (laughs) I think I threw up just a little bit. Okay, you guys. Okay, but I also really hate the term blood orange. Like, I have a problem with that. I know what a blood orange is, but I can't help but think about actual blood. It grosses me out. So all these things. I'm struggling. Convince me. We could just call it orange if you would like to, Rebecca. It would help greatly. Because I honestly don't think that you would know that this is a blood orange. It's not even super, super, you know, that pinkish kind of red color that a blood orange is. It just looks orange. So let's just say orange chocolate chip ricotta cheese. It is a weird, though, maybe not flavor combination. If you've had orange and chocolate together, that used to weird me out a long time ago. And then I had it as a cake and it was mind blowing. It's such a good flavor combination. So I had seen this and, you know, I just kind of kept skipping it. It's in that fresh cheese area where they just wrap little 
wedges of it. So I finally asked your friendly Trader Joe's employee, I'm like, is this, you know, like, and they were like, oh, my word. Oh, my word. And I was like, really? Okay, so I'm going to buy it. I took it home. I unopened it. I think I ate half the wedge, like, immediately. You guys, it's like cheesecake, except it's not super sweet. Okay. So it's got that texture. Yes. It's a ricotta cheese, so it's a little bit soft. I didn't even put it on a cracker. I think if you were going to put it on anything, you'd put it on a cookie because it doesn't have any saltiness to it, right? So, you know, like putting it on some sort of a rice cracker or an everything cracker, I think it would be weird. This is like a dessert cheese. Okay, a dessert cheese. Okay. Mm -hmm. Two words Mm -hmm. I've never said together. (laughs) (laughs) We are blowing your mind today, Rebecca. Yeah. So if they don't have the blank orange chocolate chip ricotta cheese in your Trader Joe's anymore, you can get what they always have in the winter is a lemon ricotta. So I'm not sure this is going to be any better for Rebecca. But if you get those, those are like a midwinter thing. And then you get their lemon, their Meyer lemon thin cookies. That's perfect right there. Their cherries that they have. Oh, that's to die for. It is like a dessert. It is more of a grown up, although my kids like it too. Because it's not overly sweet, but I feel like, especially after the holidays, we're so sweeted out. You know, we've had so many rich foods and decadent desserts and everything's dripping chocolate. And so having something in January that is yummy and in some ways it's got that good fat in it. So it's not like you're just eating gummy worms, but you know, it's something that's not overly sweet. It's wonderful. So look for the different ricotta cheeses and you guys. Who knows what Trader Joe's is going to come out with in 2020. If there's another flavor of ricotta cheese, come and find me because I want to hear about it. Also, there's a theme in my Trader Joe's stuff. It's like all desserts, you guys. Okay, good. I'm sorry. We've already talked about all the good things that they have, you know, the orange chicken and the chili lime burgers. So a lot of the things that I'm finding are kind of more desserty. This is another one. The mochis or is it mochis? You guys, how do you say it? M-O-C-I. I say mochi, but I don't know if that's right. I don't say anything. I have no Rebecca idea. Doesn't She's like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So there is a rice dough wrapped around some sort of a dairy. Usually it doesn't have to be a dairy ice cream, but it's, you know, some sort of an ice cream. So it's like a little dessert, a little pocket, like a little pod, but it's wrapped in this kind of chewy because it's rice dough. So usually the dough kind of mirrors the flavor of the ice cream. Like they'll make one that is a strawberry. And so then it's like a strawberry rice dough around the outside with a strawberry ice cream. But Trader Joe's has one that is a chocolate peanut butter mochi. Oh, I've never seen that in our store. And I look often at the mochi section. Yes. So it is a peanut butter ice cream wrapped in a chocolate dough. And again, oh my gosh, you know, the mochi doughs or the mochi doughs, they never have like a sweetener in them. They might have a little bit of a dusting of a powdered sugar cornstarch mixed on the outside, but mostly it's like a not super sweet dessert. But they are fantastic. And I am obsessed with those mochi things that I can't say, but that I love to eat because I love the chewy texture on the outside. Like I need some texture with my ice cream. Like I don't want just a smooth ice cream. I want something to go with it. Number three, Scandinavian swimmers. The super sour Scandinavian swimmers are a new gummy sour candy made by Trader Joe's. It's got all like the natural food coloring and the flavoring and stuff, but they're super good, you guys. I have... My kids love those. Yes. I do have one child who would choose chocolate every time. The rest of them would always go for the sour stuff. Like they're just like, I would rather have, you know, in the Halloween candy, they're like looking for the sour things and like being like, you can have all these Snickers and these Reese's. I don't care about those. 
So we started to buy these and that way I could put a few in a lunchbox. They're really good. They're not as, I mean, they're candy. So this is not like a health food or anything, but they're really good. And they've got a great mix of sour and sweet. So if you're one of those people, you can get a bag. You know, they're not individually wrapped, but they're just like a, I don't know how many, probably not even a pound in the bag. Of course, it's economical. Here's something else that you could find right this time of year. So go fast to your Trader Joe's, the chocolate peppermint loaf. Oh, okay. This is in the bread section. It's a bread mix, but it's more like, you know, a dessert bread or something you could have at breakfast. It has little peppermint chocolate chips in it, and then it's like a chocolate bread. So the things that Americans eat at breakfast and try to convince ourselves that it's healthy cracks me I was up. going to say, yeah, that's like aggressively American. Yes. <laughs> to like, think of it as... Let's have that. As a breakfast food, yes. Yes. I mean, there in no way, shape, or form is this healthy. Does it qualify for any nutritional content? But it is darn tasty. So I'm recommending it. And it is easy too. So that's nice, right? And then the fifth one is candles. So this one, I'm not putting a specific smell on it because I think it probably differs from person to person. But you guys, if you are ever in Trader Joe's and you see their little candles over in kind of the home goods section on the home goods shelf, they're small. They're about three or four dollars. And they have a really nice, they always have like such a good smell. They burn so clean. So I bought all of the fall ones. And then I was so sad the next time I went to the store, they were gone. So that's why I'm telling you, you have to buy the scents that you really like. So I know that around the holidays that they have the ones that smell like Christmas tree and they have some other ones. Sometimes they're a little too much for me, but they're really good. I have lots of friends who love that, you know, cypressy sort of smell. So that's a good one. Okay. And then I've got three more. Different stores. If you do not have a Trader Joe's near you, moment of silence. I'm so sorry. So sorry that you are being deprived. Uh, Listen, I empathize completely because we've only had one for what, two years, I think. So yeah. And those of us who love Trader Joe's or have Trader Joe's clothes are obnoxious. And I do apologize because we love it so much. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that I have found at Aldi this last year that have become mainstays with me. One is the chili lime cashews. So this is a spicy nut. I just keep them in my desk drawer at work so that when I am craving something with crunch or something with a kick, it's like that salty craving versus going to buy some chips somewhere at a store. I eat a few of these. And the only bad thing is they're a little addictive because it's got that lime with the chili powder. So it's like you eat one and then you're like, oh, I need to eat one more because my mouth is spicy. Oh, I need to eat one more because my mouth is spicy. But they're a fantastic snack. And If you are a stay-at-home parent, your kids probably won't eat these. Bonus. (laughs) Ha ha. They'll only eat them once. (laughs) Or they'll only eat them once. Maybe maybe you'll have a kid that really likes them. Who knows? At least my kids are like, that is too much for me. And I'm like, good. That's why I'm going to take them to work anyway. I'm not even going to tempt you. I'm not going to give you too much of a chance. (laughs) Another thing that I've really come to love is they have, usually kind of in their deli section, like that little cooler that has all sorts of random things in it, they have tiny little salami slices that are already cut. So they have a regular salami and then they have a spicy salami. I like the spicy. It's kind of like thick cut, small pepperoni. So again, I like the spiciness. I like that you can throw them onto a cheese tray. You can get them out for a snack. You could throw them into a lunch, although I don't usually throw them into my kid's lunch. That's like a me lunch sort of a thing. And it's easy. It's prepared. It's there for you. Last one is a Costco thing. You guys, if you shop at Costco and you have not checked out their ever-expanding food section of ready-to-heat 
sort of meals. It's just, I feel like every time I go, they've like added another cooler full of things that they are inventing for you. All you have to do is go home and heat it up. And their taco kits are to die for. I'm telling you right now, speaking of somebody who used to live in San Diego, I have never outside of San Diego had a corn tortilla as good as I find in those taco kits from Costco. Who knew? That's high praise. I mean, seriously. Why can't I get these in this store? And they're like, nope, we only put them in the taco kits. So they're a really nice corn tortilla, but they're thick and pliable. It comes with that. It comes with pre-seasoned shredded chicken meat, a couple of little, like a little package of salsa and a little package of some sort of an avocado cream sort of sauce. And then it's got some shredded cheese, some cabbage. And I think that's it, you guys, just the meat. It can feed a family of four easily for one meal. It can feed our family of six, like for a lunch where everybody's like eating a few other things with it and they don't have to eat a ton. And it's like, I would say $15 or less. And it is fantastic. It's really good food. And I love to see what they have in that section at Costco. So two, you can come and talk to me in 2020. Tell me what you're finding in that Costco section that they're always expanding because, man, don't we all just need some nights where you don't have to cook? Like you can just grab something. And especially if you can heat it up and it makes you look like you cooked or it makes the house smell good. Those are fantastic things. So good. That's incredible. I feel like we're all loaded up with all that we need. And now we're hungry, right? Start to 2020. (laughs) (laughs) You also had some reading finds to share. Isn't that right? I do. I just have three. I was thinking about things. This is how I would title it is the transformative things that I've read this year. And only one is a book. I've read quite a few books this year, but when I look back and think in 2019, what really stuck with me? Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you read a book and it's like, it was good, but you look back later and you're like, oh, that's right. I read that book. Right. You know? Right, right, right. So Burnout, absolutely, hands down, is like the book of the year for me because it matters. Like it changes your life when you read this book. It's not just a book that's fun. It's not a book that just informs you about something. For me, at least, it really changed something in the way that I look at basic life and how I deal with it and how my body deals with it and how we as a culture look at women. There's so much good stuff. And let me see. We talked, of course, at Burnout in episode 193, Meg and I did, where we talked about some of the lessons, just a few of the lessons about the stress cycle that we learned from reading Emily and Amelia Dagoski's book, Burnout. It's fantastic. It really did. It just changed me this year. The other two pieces are actually articles. So if you're like, yeah, I would love to read some of these, Kelly, but I don't have time to commit to a book. (laughs) Right. Then I've got a couple of pieces for you. One is by Kate Bowler. She is a theologian and a Duke Divinity professor who is dying of cancer. She would say that. She was diagnosed three years ago with stage three colon cancer. So the fact that she's still alive today is actually amazing. She wrote an op-ed this year in the Washington Post as kind of a follow-up to her book, which she wrote shortly after she was diagnosed with cancer. The book is called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. It's a fantastic book, and she's so real and so funny about talking about what it's like to live with a condition, to be handed a sentence like this. But here she is, three years later, it's still alive. So she wrote this op-ed, again, that was published in the Washington Post this summer about what it's like to live with chronic something, in her case, a disease, in a culture that wants to fix it quick. And 
I read that and I reread it and I've gone back to it because it applies not just to Western American culture, but also to a lot of the church culture. I think we don't know what to do with people who are like, I'm not getting over this. We want people to move through it, to get over it, to have the happy ending, to put a bow on it. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. And she's like, the only place I'm moving is not good. Like I'm not getting better outside of a complete miracle. You know, like that's not going to happen. So what do we do then? What do we do when we have chronic pain? What do we do when someone is handed a death sentence? How do we live in that? And how do we hope in God in that kind of world where it isn't something that we're just going to get over? She has so much wisdom, you guys. And I feel like in a season where we've just gone through everything once in our culture to pretend like it's all happy and here we are making memories and it's Christmas. And then we get to the other side of that and you didn't get the gift that you wanted and people were fighting and maybe there was a big blowout. And you think, wow, actually the world is a lot of darkness. Kate just enters that in such a real way. So I'm gonna post a link, of course, in our show notes to this op-ed. And I think that you'll find a lot of resonance with her and a lot of wisdom and somebody who's there on the road and just acknowledging where a lot of us are. And we are afraid to name sometimes. And the other one is an op-ed too. It's with Shannon Hale. So Shannon is a kid's author. She's written a lot of kid's books, but probably most famous is The Princess in Black. Have you guys seen that one? It's kind of for middle elementary school. And it's about a princess who's also a superhero. So she like princess duties. And then she changes into her dark clothes and she goes out and saves the kingdom. They're really fun, great books. And she wrote an op-ed about boys being told they shouldn't read these books because they're about a princess. Ah. And so it's about the fact that in our schools and in our homes and in our libraries, too often we steer kids towards books that we think they're going to like. And often that means that boys are never going to be expected to read a book with a girl protagonist. Girls expected to read books about boy protagonists all the time but not boys, because we're afraid that's going to turn them off for reading. And she's like, this is a shame in our country because these books are fantastic. So she talks about how she as an author would go into book to schools and they would even introduce her by saying, girls, we have such a treat for you today. Boys, we just hope that you'll sit still. You know, oh my God. And she's like, boys would love these books. And so she even had a story about a boy one time where There were some boys who were interested in her book, but there was a little boy who was like, I would never read that book. That book has pink on the cover. And she's like, well, why are you so scared of a princess? Like, what did princesses ever do to you? Did they like jump out from under your bed and attack you? So as she's reading the book, at the end, the little boy waited and he came up and he whispered in her ear. He's like, my family would never want me to read this book. How can I get it? Like, you know. Oh, bless it. I had never thought about it. Honestly, because I know that I have done this to my kids. I'll be like, oh, this is such a good girl book. And then here's a good boy book. And I'm like, reading this op-ed changed the way I think about how I recommend books to my kids. So now I am not doing that. I'm not saying because it's a princess in black. So people go, well, that's girly. Well, what does girly mean? You know, this is like a, a cultural construct. And what we're finding too is that kids, when not steered away, will tune into the story and not get hung up on some of the things that we as adults have. I talked to a librarian who said that she was doing that. She was putting together a teen reading group, like a book club. And there was a fantastic novel a couple of years ago, but the protagonist was girl. And it was like a princess in black kind of sort of idea. 
And she thought, oh, I don't want to choose this book because if there are boys that are coming, I don't want to turn them off. And then she thought, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. We're going to make this the book of the month and they're going to read it. And she said, you know what? Like no one blinked. And I had three boys later come up to me, three big teenage boys say, that was fantastic. I can't wait to read the whole series. I'm so glad that you introduced us to that. So yeah, that really changed how I look at, it's going to change the rest of my life, how I recommend books to kids. So we'll put a link to that too in the show notes. Oh my goodness. Those were very powerful. Okay. I'm done talking. (laughs) I talked a lot, you guys. I'm sorry that you've had to listen to Kelly in your earbuds this whole time. Where are we going? Nope. Don't you dare. Do not <laughs> apologize for that. That is literally what we are here okay, for. That's true. So. That's true. Here you are. What else you got to do? Holidays are over. The Christmas tree's getting crispy. We're going to talk to you. Those were so fantastic, Kelly. Thank you so much. Okay, Rebecca, I know you have put together a list of some things that you've really enjoyed in 2019. And you know, I can't wait to hear all about these. So get us going. We're taking quite the turn here. Oh, no. She's like, I would like to talk about all the things that I have learned from God. (laughs) Well, not anymore. We're turning the other way. Okay, okay. Good. So all of you know that I can have really ridiculous taste in entertainment. I mean, there is no secret there. I don't think it's ridiculous. I don't think that's the right word. Well, I mean, it's just fun. I think it's light. This is what I think of when I think of Rebecca. It's light. It's like light. It's like a summer read, right? It's like a beach read only on TV. And other things, yeah. On everything. (laughs) On everything, yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we know this about me, but I feel like this year in particular, I leaned into that even more than ever. So I unapologetically entertain myself with things that feel good and maybe they weren't very impactful. For example, I spent hours and hours binging One Direction themed videos on YouTube this fall. (laughs) I knew it. I knew when we put this on the calendar, (laughs) you're in show 2019. I knew One Direction was coming back to visit us. (laughs) I mean, was it enjoyable? Yes. Did it help make the world a better place? I mean, not really, you know? (laughs) Your world? My world, yes. (laughs) My world is such a better place. It's such a better place. We were going to put Christmas music on the other day, and Grace asks me, She says, does Harry Styles have a Christmas album? I said, no, but he should. (laughs) (laughs) I saw where that was going. It's become a Hoffer family affair, really. It really has. It really has. So I have collected a list. Here are my most favorite, unapologetic favorites from the year. They're ridiculous, but I loved them. So my favorite is listens. My favorite listen actually Kelly, it was the big one. (gasps) I'm so happy right now, Rebecca. I feel like I just won an award. Like, (laughs) I didn't even know that I was nominated. (laughs) It was so good. It was so good. Okay, so Kelly talked about this at the top of the show. Again, it was in episode 193. We have said episode 193 about 5 million times already in this year on episode. If you You're have right. not listened to it, you need to go listen to episode the episode of the year, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> so all of the things that Kelly said about the episode at the top of the show about the series, 100% true. Okay. Here is why I found it a ridiculous listen for myself. I live in Pennsylvania. Okay. Our earthquake threat it's pretty dang low, okay? <laughs> Maybe that makes fact, it more fun. 
Doesn't like this. Matter. I want to worry about this. Our everything threat is pretty low, okay? Like flood, tornado, earthquake. I mean, they're all low. Yeah, Fire. this is where we all need to be living in Pennsylvania to escape the risk of climate change. That's what you're saying. Like you are chosen well, Rebecca Hoffer. Well, but we have snow. <laughs> yes, you the do have snow. Snow is pretty hot. Okay, but I found myself binging this podcast over just a couple of days with an interest that I cannot explain given where I live. And I think it's just because, well, you know why it is. It's because I'm an Enneagram 6. I loved the idea of exploring this worst case scenario and like, okay, but like, how do you fix it? How do you get out of it? Have you thought about this? I mean, it just like, it was so fascinating. I became that annoying friend who wanted to message everyone I know who lives in California and tell them about this podcast. I stopped myself at one. I sent a message to one California friend. I don't think she listened. I know. Don't you feel like we need to have like a checkoff sheet? I have a lot of people in Southern California and I'm like, I'm going to need to see a signed form when you are done listening. Otherwise, I am not stopping bugging you because this is important. It does feel important. It felt so important to my Pennsylvania living self that I could not explain it. So have I actually changed anything about the way that I live my life because of this podcast? Well, I've started keeping more toilet paper on hand than what I normally do. There was a time in my life where we would frequently be running low on toilet paper and be like, ah, we got to run out and go get some toilet paper. <laughs> you know what I don't want to run out of if there's some kind of an emergency? I don't want to run out of toilet paper. So I buy toilet paper a lot more often now. It's the little things, Kelly. It's the little things. Well, here's what I want to know is, did you buy a like a water purifier or anything like that? Or did you already have one being an Enneagram 6? Well, I have one. I have a Berkey filter. You can't really travel with it, but I have a Berkey filter, but I have... That would work. I mean, that's the number one thing when they say this is different, but also kind of fun to think about the zombie apocalypse. Like they say the number one thing that you actually need is a water filter because all of your neighbors are going to die from drinking the contaminated water. And so at least if you could stay alive a little bit longer. And I was like, that's probably true for a big earthquake or something else too. So I applaud you, Rebecca. I applaud you. Well, my number one apocalypse plan... It is death. I plan to fully just lay down and die. I don't want to survive something like that. She's like, here's my brain. This is what I do is I do lots of fun stuff. So it's kind of cotton candy-ish in here. Have at it, boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to lay down and die. Okay. So for Ridiculous Reads this summer or this year, I read a lot of romance and I just leaned into it. I was like, I love it. I'm just going to read it. So there was a thread in the Hangout group where someone was asking for suggestions and multiple people sang the praises of Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. I've been looking forward to this book and I can't believe I haven't read it yet. I'm so glad you reminded me. Okay, go ahead. Okay, it was so good. But you guys know I have this paranoia over saying names wrong. I mispronounce them all the time. It looks like it's Evie. In the book, they say Evie. I'm pretty sure I'm probably still messing it up somehow, but just go with it. So it's Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. I read it in August. I absolutely loved it. It is a closed-door romance, meaning that all of the most spicy action takes place, like, behind closed doors. Like, the reader is not there in the bedroom getting the lowdown on every little detail. So it's a little bit more tame. So the premise of the story is that Evie is leaving her husband. She is literally packing her bags into her car to drive away when she gets a call from the hospital that her husband has died. So now here she is 
a mourning widow, but yet she was also living with this lie, living with this secret, like nobody in her life knows that she was about to leave her husband. She hadn't confessed to anybody how terrible their marriage was. And so she's really struggling with the grief and with the secret keeping and all of that. So as time passes, she decides to rent out the spare room that she has in her house. And her best friend convinces her to rent it to one of his friends. This friend is a man, and he's a baseball pitcher who suddenly cannot pitch at all. And he is kind of being laughed out of the leagues. He's looking for a place to escape the drama, escape the press. She's looking to just make some extra money. Bada bang, bada boom, things, you know, they progress as romance novels do. So it's a really good read. It was not super predictable like some romances can be. It was sweet. It was fun. I felt like it was really well written. And I would recommend it. It was called Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. I love that so much. Linda Holmes, of course, is the host of Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR. So being able to trace her journey of going from being an enthusiastic romance genre reader to an author has been so fun. In fact, if you have been skeptical about the romance genre, I'm going to link to a years old now episode that was on NPR, if I can find it, (laughs) where Linda Holmes hosted a panel of, I think there was three other women, and they just do this deep dive into the romance genre. It's what got me even interested in reading romance to begin with. And it's very helpful and very encouraging. And I just love that that book is on your list this year. I really liked it. And I've been saving it since August to talk about it. I thought it was fun. Now, for the most ridiculous of all the things on my list is my most ridiculous watch of the year. And that would be the Beautiful World of Jeffree Star by Shane Dawson on YouTube. Here's a disclaimer. Shane is a longtime YouTube veteran. His history, the content that he produced in the past is very raunchy. It's vulgar, full of bad language. I never used to watch him. I would try his stuff and I'd be like, this is trash. I am not watching this. Oh my gosh. I need to give you like 10 points, Gryffindor, for using the word raunchy. <laughs> this podcast it's cracking me up but you're not wrong I know exactly what you mean about Shane Dawson I mean he was terrible and he still kind of is a bit terrible but he has started doing these long form series on YouTube he used to upload like every day or something and then he stopped and now he just uploads every few months or he'll do like these long form series and he did these like deep dives into other YouTubers like kind of like going like behind the scenes what are the things that your followers don't know about you And that's the type of thing that I find really fascinating, especially about YouTube culture and internet content creators in general. And so I started watching Shane's stuff because I was watching him explore these other people. And maybe I wasn't even watching these other people, but they were people who I was like, they were all my peripheral. Like I kind of knew of them, but I didn't really know their story. And I was like, oh, well, I want to know your story. Like, what is there to tell? And this type of content being produced by Shane has blown up. He has reached like mega star fame on YouTube because of this type of content. And back last year, he did one featuring the beauty guru, Jeffree Star. I didn't know anything about Jeffree Star. I thought he seemed crazy. I was super intimidated by him and his look and just 
how off color he is. And I watched that series and was like, wow. So this is like the human behind that persona. And in watching that, I was able to see the human behind Shane Dawson and the way that he can bring out people's true selves when he does these series. So within that series, Jeffrey, he sells makeup. Like that's like his big thing. He has his own brand. He has factories where it's made. And he kind of joked or suggested to Shane, well, we should do a makeup palette together. And they went with it. And so this whole last year of 2019, Shane and Jeffrey have been making this makeup palette together. And just this fall, they released The Beautiful World of Jeffree Star, which is the series dedicated to the process of Shane and Jeffrey working together to make this makeup palette. Now, again, a disclaimer. They still, although not as much as they were before, but those two together still are raunchy and vulgar and use bad language. And they will be talking in a business meeting and dropping an innuendo that is very inappropriate. Do not watch this around your kids. I don't recommend that you suggest it to your teenagers, although most likely they're already watching. <laughs> they're they on YouTube. Mom, you're listening. Don't watch this. You won't enjoy it. You won't like it. So I'm not necessarily even suggesting that you watch it, but this is kind of like my takeaway from it, okay? Because I was crying watching grown men create makeup. Like there was just something so beautiful about it. I would smile the entire episode. And here is why. Because Shane is insecure. Shane battles with imposter syndrome. Shane doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't like the way that he looks. He is riddled with social anxiety and self-doubt. Raise your hand if you can relate to any of those things. And yet Shane Dawson dropped a merch line that sold out twice. He dropped a makeup palette line that sold out twice. He has just made millions of dollars selling makeup, something that like two years ago he knew nothing about. Why? Because people see the beauty in him and they want to support him and they love him and they took risks. And that is beautiful. If there's anything that we can learn from this series it is that we are all flawed people. We all have our own insecurities. We can all battle with imposter syndrome, but we can do hard things and we can step out because we can succeed. We just need to take a risk. And guess what? People want to support us. They want to support you. And I cried. I cried watching these two grown men in the factory looking at their makeup being created. And I just thought, this is amazing. What can I do? What can you do? It was so, so good. Really inappropriate, but so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, first of all, like Kelly said, yes, your teens already know about Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star, independent of each other, and then definitely the series. My girls do wait and wait and wait for Shane Dawson to just drop a new video, let alone one of his deep dive series. So there's that. But also, Rebecca, now I'm wondering, is this the year that maybe in 2020, maybe you're going to launch a YouTube channel oh, yourself. Oh my word. Meg, you, <laughs> bless your heart, you don't give up. Meg has been telling me no, for years that I need to be on YouTube. And she very wrong. graciously reminds me of this. And like, now I feel like such a hypocrite because I'm like, eh, I don't think I can. No, I don't want you to feel like a hypocrite. I want you to be like, you know what? If Shane Dawson... Two years ago, didn't know anything about makeup. And now he is 
making millions of dollars selling makeup, then I could launch a YouTube channel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I need to like re-listen to what I just said about how inspired I was. You do. You need to go back, hit rewind when you're listening to this, go back and listen to your speech because it's very, very invigorating. It is. It's inspiring. Yes. But we, I mean, it's true though, right? Like we all have things that like we get down on ourselves about, but that doesn't mean that we can't accomplish amazing things. So I felt like there was nobody I could talk to about this episode, the series, because it was so ridiculous. But I'm like, I have to share this with the awesomes because the takeaway was just so beautiful. It really is. That's so good. I love all of that. Okay. Well, you guys, before we wrap up the year, I have some thoughts on some things that I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I'm holding in my arms the reason why I am not <laughs> reflecting on 2019 things that I discovered. Nico is a doll and we love him and he's sweet and precious, but he is not a good sleeper. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done as much reading and discovering new things as I would like to in 2019. Although I do have three things I'm going to share here right before the show is over that I wanted to tell you were my favorites from the year. But I think just you know, you kind of get through that fourth trimester and you come back to the world and you're like, okay, I'm like ready to dust myself off and get back up and get in the saddle again and all the metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, can we mix them a little bit? going to yeah. row the boat yeah, and let's... dust myself off. <laughs> exactly. But I've been thinking about 2020 and some things that I want to release because for some reason, the end of a decade it's very meaningful to me. Going back to, I can remember at the end of the 80s, the first decade that I was, you know, sort of sentient enough to realize what a decade was and that it was coming to an end. I can remember back in those days, magazines like People Magazine, Time Magazine, not to mention news shows, 2020 and other news programming, having a look back at the decade. And I just get so enamored with the whole thing. I love a decade look back and I love the beginning of a new decade. So I'm thinking about not only do what I want to release for the year of 2020, but as I move forward into this next decade of life. So the first thing I want to talk about is my obsession with skincare, particularly my fixation on, <laughs> this is so dumb, but it's true. My fixation on my forehead wrinkles. <laughs> My forehead wrinkles. My I don't wrinkles. even think we see them. I think I've never that this noticed is... forehead wrinkles. Well. You're very, very kind to say that, but I will say this, you know, in the past couple of years, skincare, women my age and younger even, it's become a really hot topic. People trying to find the best products, finding products that are available here or, you know, Asian beauty products, all kinds of products to get your skin looking its best, to keep your skin looking its best. And listen, I have enjoyed it. I've had a lot of fun with it. Doing a full, solid nighttime skincare routine is a big part of my personal self-care. But I have to tell you all, it had tipped over into a place of not even being so much enjoyment anymore. It was really becoming like a fixation to the point, and I've said this on the show, but it took me a while to really hear what I was saying, that when I would look in the mirror, instead of seeing anything else about my face or my features or whatever, I would just like look at my forehead and how lined my forehead is. And I don't want to do that anymore, <laughs> frankly. And I got to thinking about this because one of our awesomes posted in the Hangout group, this has been weeks, if not months ago, she posted in the Hangout group a thread 
inspired by the book Burnout, where in Burnout, they talk a lot about sort of like the patriarchy and how societal expectations, especially from a male lens, can cause stress in the lives of women. And she was like, what are you doing in your life to kind of push back against the patriarchy? And I thought about, and lots of people had lots of great answers. I didn't even answer on that thread, but it really stuck with me because I was like, I know that my obsession with having young looking skin is really not formed from something that I want for myself, but it's formed from this societal expectation that to be important and to have value, to have worth, that you need to look young as a woman. And y'all, I'm 42 and a half, and these wrinkles aren't going anywhere unless I have some major doctor. <laughs> something that you would need some time off to, re yeah, to recover from. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that spoke to my life, the High Women album, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, is one of my favorite listens for the whole year. That song, Redesigning Women, there's this like one line that's almost a cast off that's talking about all these things that women do. And they mention the thing, a line of trying to look good until you die. And I just, you know, had been singing along, bopping along to that song. And then I thought about like, truly, I am in my 40s. I have decades, hopefully, of life ahead of me. How much time and energy am I going to spend on trying to look like I'm in my 20s or in my 30s? I don't know. And now listen, again, this is just for me. This is something that spoke to me. If you all have skincare routines and skincare products that you like and you're working on problem spots that make you feel good, that's great. I'm just saying for me, I'm going to release my fixation on my forehead in specific, but <laughs> anti-aging stuff in general. Okay. Now, the second one on my list kind of goes back to Rebecca and the encouragement that I've offered her through the years that she needs to be on YouTube because she's such a natural at being on video. I myself am going to really work on releasing my own insecurities about being on video. There are a lot of things about video that make me so nervous. Number one, the fact that, especially if it's a live video, you can't edit it. <laughs> I've become so dependent on editing through the years. Well, editing's helpful. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, when you're doing like a video for YouTube or whatever, of course you can edit it and fix things. But yeah, just being insecure with being on camera, in particular on video. I've got some real hangups there. I've talked about it, but I really feel like starting in 2020 and moving through the decade ahead, I really want to release those insecurities and just be confident in being who I am in full 3D, which is very scary to even say out loud. <laughs> Does that mean that you have specific goals for like where you want to be doing more video? Well, as I've talked about on the show, I really do want to add a YouTube component to Sort of Awesome. I think it is a way to bring new awesomes into the fold that we have not explored at all. So there's that. And yeah, I don't know that I probably do need to get specific because I don't know that I do have other specific things in mind. I do know, though, that it's one of those things that's been on my list that I haven't gotten to, not because just like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. I just haven't put the energy into this. It's a thing that like when I bump up against it, like there's real resistance there that's not just lack of time. So that, so feel free to hold my feet to the fire. I'm just going to use every metaphor and every idiom I've ever heard in my life in this episode. <laughs> Good. I have a checklist. I've been marking them off. We'll see if you get to all of them. Okay. All right. Another thing that I want to release in 2020 and in the years ahead 
Speaking of hangups, I have some real issues, I would say, around money and money management. I think this comes from growing up in a household where there was a big, big, big scarcity mindset about money and a lot of fights between my parents about money, a lot of cognizance, a lot of like lack of money was a constant drumbeat growing up. And it's taken me two decades of being married and on my own and living adult life to realize that has really colored how I approach the topic of money as an adult in terms of like avoiding dealing with it, being really passive about it, just all kinds of really not healthy money related mindsets. So in 2020, I really want to work on letting go of those many issues and really becoming a lot more assertive instead of being so passive when it comes to the topic of money. So we'll see how that goes. That's just a personal development thing for me, for sure. But man, that's such a big one. That's so big for so many people. You know, I was just going to say, I hope you recognize these are big, hairy, audacious sort of goals. You know, like these are good. So I just don't want you as like the big sister of the group to put too many things on yourself and be like, and these are all the things I'm going to drop because these are hard. I guess that's all I'm saying. This is not like, and then I'm going to make sure that I do yoga two times a week. This is like saying like, I think I'm going to run a marathon (laughs) next year. I'm not exactly sure how. That part is not happening. Not that they're not good because I do think that a lots of times when we need to make changes, sometimes it's just the recognizing the change needs to be made, what needs to be done, and then saying, I'm going to do it. We do need to take that first step before we know what the next step is. So it's okay to say, and I don't know exactly how this is going to materialize. I just am wanting to make sure that you're not being like, and now I'm going to fail at these because they are hard. I just want to acknowledge that what you're doing is hard work. Well, one thing to, and absolutely, yes. And, you know, as a fellow ENFP that we can get too much into idea land and not, (laughs) uh, not understanding how to take action on so many of our ideas that we have. One thing, like with the many, one thing I've actually already started and I have two months under my belt now of doing is doing a daily budget checkup with Mint. I don't know how many of you all use mint.com to really know where our money is going. I've played with Mint through the years. I've kind of half-heartedly used it, but for two solid months, which that's a pretty good track record for me. (laughs) No, it's an ENFP, fellow ENFP. I would be like, yes, that's impressive. Way to go. Yes. For two solid months, every morning I check it, I update it, I'm looking. And I think that's a big thing. It's just like such a mindset shift from being like, just like, oh gosh, whoa, whoa, where did all of that money go? (laughs) To really being, feeling like I'm really, like I said, like really asserting myself, like really showing up for the money component of our life. So who knows what that will look like in the future, but I do feel really good that, you know, I've actually been doing, taking action in some of this, but yes, you're right. And that kind of is a nice dovetail into the last thing that I want to release. And this one is going to be really hard, but I want to release my habit of not telling people when I'm struggling until I've already been through the struggle. <laughs> yes. yes. That would be helpful. <laughs> yes. Yes, you guys know, as people who've worked closely with me for years, that I have a terrible tendency to just not say anything until like weeks or even months later and be like, you guys, this was really hard. <laughs> it's over now. But when I was going through it, it was really hard. 
I think this is such a classic Enneagram type nine thing to do, but certainly other people who aren't Enneagram nines may have this habit as well. But I do think that as an Enneagram nine, I want peace for myself. And it's very important to me for the people around me to have peace. And so I tend to have this perspective of if I share what I'm struggling with, with friends, with family, then it's going to disrupt their peace. And I have felt really uncomfortable about that, to say the least. So moving into the new year and into this new decade, I want to really just have to be able to come to those things with a sense of like, just having the confidence of being able to say, it's okay to share a struggle. And it doesn't necessarily mean, first of all, that it's going to interrupt the peace of people around me or disturb their peace. And even if it does, that's okay. That's a part of friendship. That's just very natural. I get this and I'm not a nine. I do this too. And I think that sometimes I'm waiting for there to be a little bit more concrete of a resolution. It's kind of like I want to say, well, is this really serious enough to bother everybody with? Right. Yes. And so that is totally it. Yeah. But that doesn't allow people to meet me where it is, which is in the messy middle of, I don't really know. I don't want to be drama. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, my life is so hard. The next day be like, oh, actually, I was just getting my period. (laughs) I totally (laughs) forgot about that. You know, but at the same time, when we are always waiting and saying, well, maybe this isn't worth it. And we all know, and I know you know this, Meg, that you would want to be invited in other people's lives. Like you can weigh and say, like, it is a thing to do that is hard to break the habit of, but so important. I'm just validating it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So a couple of quick favorites of mine from the year, as I mentioned, listening wise. Oh my gosh, that High Women album. I listened to it straight through when I first heard about it. I was like, this is really good. But then I just started coming back to it over and over again. And Kali, you guys, I don't know. It's just at an intersection of so many things that I love. And truly it is that country music that I grew up hearing in the background. It's like the soundtrack of my growing up years is country music. But then to hear what they have done lyrically to address so many real, real, real things that are part of women's everyday lives, it feels like the most empowering women-centered album that I can really remember ever having access to. And I have just been loving it. So that has been huge. I cannot possibly pick a favorite podcast from the year. I feel like 2019 was a wonderful year of podcasts, so many listening wise. So I was like, even just looking at my podcast list subscriptions in my podcast app, I was like, I could never pick one. So such a great year for listening. I will say my favorite read of the year, I didn't get to do very much reading. But Rainbow Rowell's Wayward Son was so good. And I know I talked about it when it was the awesome of the week. So I won't go on and on. But it was that experience of when you've been waiting for something and you're anticipating, is it going to live up to what we hope for it? And for me, it just far exceeded everything. I have to say it was a favorite from the year. And then watching wise, I don't even know if I mentioned this on the show, but Stranger Things 3 was so great. That was another situation where the anticipation of it was, I didn't know if it was going to live up to the first two seasons, which I loved, but I genuinely feel like season three or the third one, the third installment, however they are talking about it. I really feel like it's the best one yet in Stranger Things. And my girls both watched it. I was like, well, watch at your own risk. If it gives you nightmares, don't, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Don't come run into me. (laughs) I did actually say that. You're like, I got a baby. (laughs) 
So you're, you know, like priorities. You're going to have to deal with your own fear. Y'all going to have to comfort each other if this scares you. (laughs) But they decided to watch it and having them watch it and Kyle had watched it. It was just so fun. I love having big kids who, when you can like meet in a place of pop culture entertainment that speaks to all of you, that was a big part of the experience was them watching it this year. And we had our favorite characters and now we have, you know, sort of in jokes from the series. It was really great. So anyway, you guys, 2019 is in the books. So awesome. Thank you for joining us for our annual year end show as we look back on the year and think about the year ahead. Let's talk about where people can find you now and hopefully on into the future if they want to talk about all their favorites from 2019. Kelly, where can people find you all around the web? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN from Minnesota, or of course, in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group or the Superstars group on Facebook. All right. And Rebecca? Well, you can find my website at simplyrebecca.com where I talk about parenting and homemaking from a frugal and green perspective. And you can find me all around on social media at Simply Rebecca. Okay. You can find me on social media at Sort of Awesome Meg. The show is on Twitter at Sort of Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash sort of awesome. And Nico says goodbye to you as well. And thank you guys so much for listening. Happy New Year to every single one of you awesomes. And we'll see y'all next time. (laughs) Sort of Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.